The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2004's Catwoman, starring Halle Berry, Benjamin Bratt, Sharon Stone, Lambert Wilson, Francis Conroy, and Alex Borstein. Catwoman is a 2004 American superhero film and quasi-spinoff of the Batman film series. The film currently holds a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Liquidated after discovering a corporate conspiracy, mild-mannered graphic artist Patience Phillips washes up on an island where she's resurrected and endowed with the powers of a cat, and she's eager to use her new skills as a vigilante. Before you can say, cat and mouse, handsome gumshoe Tom Lone is on her tail. Okay, Martin, Catwoman. Now, the only reason we're watching this is because we got an impassioned email from one of our listeners telling us this sordid tale about how he actually worked on this movie, and he wanted us to review it for him. In his memory. <laughs> yeah, it, the movie killed him. Yeah, he, he, he died of shame <laughs> being a part of this movie. Neither of us have ever seen this before prior to this, so we have no history with this whatsoever, so let's just skip right to the actor segment. Let's go through these actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. All right, Halle Berry. Horrible. Really? Academy Award-winning Halle Berry? Yeah, she was very one-dimensional, and there was absolutely no emotion in anything she did at all. She looked pretty good, though. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she looked all right. She was a little catty. Oh, God. I'm trying to think of all the Halle Berry movies that I've seen. I mean, I've never seen Gothica, which I think I should. I've seen, I saw her in Swordfish, which I hated. I don't know. I've never seen Monster's Ball, so I have nothing really to gauge her on. You've like, never seen Monster's Ball? No, but yet I've seen Swordfish. So. Monster's Ball is a very good movie. It's no Swordfish, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, you're right. It's not as good as Swordfish. <laughs> 64-bit worm. Oh, I need a 96 I need a big, I need a big worm. Big, big worm. <laughs> Moving on, Benjamin Bratt. He um, was the heart and soul of this movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He was the heart and soul of this movie. What? <laughs> Without Benjamin Bratt. There'd be no Catwoman. There was no Catwoman. He was all right. I, I thought I, he was lifeless, dead, dull, useless, boring. Really? Unnecessary. I'm sure he's a great guy, but like the character they had him play in this movie was just like completely one-dimensional and unnecessary. You know, I mean, for what it was... I, I, I guess he was essentially there for a line reading, right? Oh, yeah. That's like why he was there. They're like, we need a man to read the script. Can you do that? He's we, like, need, we need somebody to stand here so we can adjust the lights. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone will do. Okay. Sharon Stone. She was good. You liked her? Yeah. You know, I liked her too. You know, I'll, I'll give her that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed her performance in this thing. Next up, my hero, Lambert Wilson. Now, for those of you out there who don't know who Lambert Wilson is. He's the Merovingian. Yes, right. He played the Merovingian in the Matrix sequel. And for those uh, keeping track at home, he played the doctor in Babylon A.D. That was a real milestone in that guy's career. He Babylon A.D. Catwoman. <laughs> he's he, he's you, just you, you he's need just, a new agent, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's just leapfrogging from Academy Award winning film to Academy Award winning film. Sure. By the way, I'm, from now on, I'm just going to refer to this guy as the Merovingian. So get used to it now. Next up, Francis Conroy, our old buddy from uh, The Wicker Man, the mom from Six Feet Under, yet again. I can't wait to see what other movie she pops in. <laughs> 
her her monologue in this movie was to die for incredible yeah epic. yeah i would put this on my bucket list watch that scene with her monologue <laughs> yeah it's a mind-bending sequence i'm sure we'll talk about it in the future <laughs> yeah it changed it, it it was a game changer it changed the way i see reality <laughs> i can't look at anything the same anymore <laughs> all right next uh, okay and finally alex borstein she is the voice of lois griffin on family guy and she played uh callie berry's Annoying man, crazy friend. All right, Martin, uh, let me uh, give you a brief history on this thing, just so we can get a little background on what the hell is going on in the making of this movie. Initially, there was a debate about the writing credits with 28 writers involved in the arbitration. (laughs) 28 people had their hands... Yo, it's really funny you say that because every scene looks like it was written by a different person. It does. It looks like they got 28 people to make a movie and they just stitched it together at the end. The film received seven Golden Raspberry nominations in 2005, including Worst Supporting Actress, Worst Supporting Actor, and Worst Screen Couple, Halle Berry with Benjamin Bratt or Sharon Stone. It won in the categories of Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Director, and Worst Screenplay. Halle Berry, while clutching her Academy Awards statuette, accepted the award for Worst Actress, personally saying, first of all, I want to thank Warner Brothers for putting me in a piece of shit, god-awful movie. It was just what my career needed. She has gone on to speak frankly in interviews about her views regarding problems with the film. So wait, she's just passing the blame off. Like, she didn't act in the movie? No, she had nothing to do with it. She was just there. She was just there. Like, she acted, and they're like, stop, cut, look. No acting, please. Tone it down. She was clutching her Academy Award on, on set, like, every day. <laughs> and she's like, but I have this. It's like, shut up. So that, that that's pretty much it. Martin, like, for the listeners at home who aren't so savvy with comic books and all that nerdy crap, who is Catwoman? Another vigilante in Gotham City who essentially is a burglar. She's after expensive jewelry or other expensive items and or artifacts that are cat-related. So, yeah, let's get this straight. Like, Catwoman is a part of the Batman universe. Like, she's, she's one of she, his villains. She's part of, yeah, she's part of his rogue gallery. Yeah, and, and as far as we know, uh, Catwoman's real name is Selena Kyle. Right. And if you remember, at the end of Batman Returns, they kind of hint that maybe Catwoman died, but then they're like, oh, wait, maybe she's still alive. There's a little bit of a cliffhanger type of thing. Right, right. So people have been waiting all these years for the rise of Catwoman. Well, yeah, well, that's not that didn't happen here. <laughs> the, the, yeah. this, has, this, this movie has nothing to do with the Batman universe as far as I'm Whatsoever. concerned. Whatsoever. Yeah. It's like they just took some random plot and they just said, you know what? We have the Catwoman license. Let's toss that on there. And let's throw a bunch of- uh, Put some smooth- cat ears on that costume. Done. All right, Martin, let's jump into this thing. Catwoman. Where do we begin? This might have been as good enough time as any. Like, let's talk about the director, Pitoff. I want to get one thing straight before we start, you know, bashing the shit out of this movie. This was not his fault. No, this guy can hold his head up high, I think. This is not his fault. He directed this movie very well. The shots were engaging, interesting, and very well put together. A lot of them were impressive. For a movie that has a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, it is directed competently. Very much so. Like it, it look, like There's a lot of stuff in this that, that looks really good, so that's actually one of the surprising facets of this movie. It really does feel like 28 different people had their hand in this thing because it's just like, it goes from thing to thing to thing to thing with very little cohesion between what the hell is going on. 
So let's just dive into this thing. So, so as you said before, the original Catwoman's name is Selena Kyle, but in this movie, her name is Patience. Patience Philip. Patience. She's this really meek, timid-willed, yeah. timid woman. Even though she's super hot, she's like this dumpy, frumpy girl. Hey, bro. I bet you you can't take her to the prom, make her over, turn her into the prom queen. Yeah, no, that's like, yeah, that's literally what she is. Oh my God, she is that character. <laughs> what? You mean this was just a bet? Not anymore. I fell in love. <laughs> it was at first, but it's different now. <laughs> I love you. That's her archetype that she's playing right now, like the super hot nerd. That's an archetype? Yeah. That's part of the collective unconscious. Yes. Like, it's been in a million movies. You're right. All of them starring Freddie Prince Jr. All right, yeah, so she she's a doorknob at work, uh, you know, her she's boss. She's a doorknob. She's a, do- she's a doormat. <laughs> she's a doormat at work. Everybody walks all over her, and then eventually she starts hallucinating seeing cats <laughs> everywhere. She starts hallucinating. You're making out like she's mentally ill. <laughs> she might as well be because she sees a cat on her window ledge. And, and she just walks out onto a shaky... I, I guess it's an air conditioning unit, right? Not even a, a psychopathic, like... A psychopathic <laughs> lunatic would do something as crazy as what she's about to attempt. Yeah, to yeah, rescue yeah. this cat that she's never seen before, she walks out onto a shaky air conditioning unit that's bolted into the side of a rusting, dilapidated wall, and it starts to fall. Enter Benjamin Bratt. He pulls up in his police car. He's like, oh, don't do it. Wait. And then literally, I'm not even kidding, literally two seconds later, it's as if he teleports and bends time and space and just reappears right next to her. Like, don't jump. So Benjamin Bratt can see past her nerdy facade. And sees that she's actually a beautiful supermodel-esque, powerful and independent woman. Yeah, he he can see all those things and he he asks her out on a date and looks like everything's uh, coming up roses for patience over here. Apparently she's like a graphic designer and she is working on some project and she presents it to the Merovingian and uh, (laughs) you would you and I were having flashbacks to our college days yeah, when yeah. the Merovingian gives her a, a, a little harsh critique on, on, <laughs> on her work. It's like, what is this? You picked the wrong color. It was like the most unprofessional, unpro- it was the most unproductive thing I've ever seen in my life. Not only does he like shit all over her work, but he makes fun of her appearance and her clothes and all this other stuff. He's like, this is worse than your sense of style. This is yeah. the most unprofessional and unproductive yeah, critique. That's like sexual ever- harassment. But he doesn't like it. He sends her back and decides to give her one more chance. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so she, it shows she's, her she's up. She's burning the midnight oil. Literally. It's like mi- almost midnight. All right. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, this is... I'm going to say this right now. So just, just a little insight into Martin and our lives. We are both creative people. We do artistic things. We do essentially similar things yeah, to yeah, what we Catwoman do. does Yeah, we movie. actually do that. <laughs> and the Merovingian's problem was, he said, this is the wrong color. <laughs> it it took wrong. her like eight hours to change the color. <laughs> it would take you three seconds in Photoshop to fix. <laughs> He's like, this is the wrong color red. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sorry. Click, click. (laughs) Done. No, but she's there until like 3 (laughs) a.m. Working on... (laughs) 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> she wanders into a room where she shouldn't be. And apparently Sharon Stone and the Merovingians company, they're making this new kind of cream. Face, yeah. Uh, anti-aging cream. That really does work. Like It really makes you look younger. It's just very similar to Renew You from the Batman animated series, if you remember that. I, how could I forget? Obscure reference. Anyway, this cream works really well. Only problem is there's, there's a slight side effect. If you stop taking it, you turn into a hideous, disheveled, mutant beast <laughs> woman. And so, and they're like, oh my God, we had to pull this off the shelves. But then Sharon Stone says, no way. We, we, we'll lose millions. This thing's right, got to right, go right. on the shelf. And uh, Halle Berry, she sees this and goes running off in the distance. And then Sharon Stone sticks her armed guards against her. I thought she was like a supermodel. Right. She has these armed guards at her beck and call, a private army. She runs down to a septic tank runoff pipe series of sewers or whatever. Yeah, she's in a sewers treatment plant. I thought you were in like a modeling agency two seconds ago. (laughs) And she runs into this, I don't know, these are enormous tubes. It looks like they would feed water to like cities. But in any case, she's running through them and they decide to flush the toilet, essentially. She gets flushed down the toilet, down the tubes, and she drowns and dies. And her lifeless, mud-caked corpse washes up on this little island in the middle of the um, the bay or whatever. This is a scene that will live in infamy. <laughs> the camera zooms in on the face of a CG cat. A I don't I don't even CG know how to explain this cat. scene. I feel like I wish I could just everyone should just seek this out and watch it. It was yeah, this, one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen. This movie is worth seeing just for this scene alone. This CG cat, like the camera <laughs> zooms in on its face. It's like it's like it goes into its mouth and like, like for a second I thought I was like gonna go into the digestive track of a cat. It was unbelievable. It's like why is this happening? Like why why don't you just buy a real cat? Like do we why does it have to be fully CG? Okay, so Halle Berry is lying dead in the mud, and then the cat meows and calls forth its cat brethren. And like there's like eighty cats, eighty cats. Just think, where are they coming from? They're in the middle of the ocean. So so the ringleader of the cats, he crawls on a Halle Berry's chest in a real sensual moment. He looks her in the eyes and goes and blows her a hot cat kiss. Like <laughs> <laughs> And he like blows like the, what was it? Like like a ghost or like a mist? It looked like he was br- literally if you could visualize what breathing life into something looked like. That's what this looked like. Like he, he breathed like his soul into her. Into her. And then her eyes, they zoom in on her eyes. CG again. Bad. Really bad CG. Go from human to cat. Like there's this really bizarre sound effect. And then she comes back. And now she has cat vision. She can hear seagulls that are like five miles away. And then they like zoom in at her and are all like. She looks like she's on LSD. It looks like like Van Gogh-esque paint swirls are like part of her reality now and everything <laughs> zooms in and out in like an uncontrollable manner. Which begs the question, how is that supposed to help her fight crime? I was like looking at it I'm like, this is like really inhibiting. Like you wouldn't even be able to walk down the street. So Halle Berry, she pulls a page out of uh, Bella Swan's book from Twilight and she goes on Google to research <laughs> Cat Bella Wim- Swan's <laughs> book? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's the same scene like in Twilight and in like Jennifer's Body and all these other movies where like in the old days someone would go to the library and they would look up the and they'd have 20 books yeah and they'd look they'd, up the phenomenon these days they just hit up Google and then they look up the things and apparently there were cat women through the ages they all had powers and blah 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 eventually Halle Berry finds the magical cat and looks on his collar and it leads her to the cat's owner and it's our buddy Francis Conroy the mom from Six Feet Under she is the prototypical cat lady like her house has 100,000 cats in it which when I saw this I can't even imagine what yeah, that, that house was, would smell like that was the first thing you said you're like that house has gotta smell like horrific yeah, so, so she, Frances Conroy... She explains what she is. She is a cat woman. They're on the second floor of her house, and then Frances Conroy just, like, pushes her <laughs> off a balcony. <laughs> and then, of course, she's a cat, and Catwoman lands on all fours. Uh, okay, so Frances Conroy has this explanation to Halle Berry as to what the hell's going on with her. She says, Cat women are not contained by the rules of society. You are a cat woman. Fiercely independent. You spent a lifetime caged. Now you are free. And freedom is power. <laughs> the beginning of that monologue starts off with, but to be a cat woman is both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> you will have immense freedoms, but you will also be lonely and misunderstood. And then we go to a date sequence with Benjamin Bratt and Halle Berry. Like, this is the second movie in a row that we've watched where... Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Leads. Smith had the same exact date. They go to the fair. They, they go, go to the, the fair, the, yeah. They go to the carnival. They're in a uh, Ferris wheel that uh, the gears get stuck. And for some reason or another, that makes the Ferris wheel... Erupt. Erupt and just, like, fall apart. The Ferris wheel jams up. It starts shaking the gears. They start bursting and popping. And the whole thing is rattling. Every screw on the Ferris wheel starts to the come undone. It's like, who built this thing? <laughs> Some drunk, like, <laughs> five-year-old built the Ferris wheel. It was like there was no threads on any of the screws. They were just, gonna, like... They were just popping They out. were just popping out everywhere. <laughs> so, of course, a little kid, the bar on the Ferris wheel, comes loose, and he slips out and well, fall and starts to fall to his, death. I guess, to his death. And, you know, and Catwoman uses her cat vision and, like, zooms in on this little kid. And it, the, the, the special effect is really strange for this because it kind of has, like, this kind of vibration to it and, and it looked like Catwoman set a, a psychic pulse to like kill him to kill the kid <laughs> like to make the, to make it shake even more it's really weird she essentially leaps out of the, the chair and in like two seconds jumps across the entire Ferris wheel and rescues the kid 600 Everybody, people are looking up and like witnessing this and, and no one notices not only that but Benjamin Bratt is with her and he kind of already suspects that she is Catwoman alright so it's somewhere around this point that we get this really interesting scene where the Merovingian and Sharon Stone are having a fight and uh, Sharon Stone says something like, she gives him a, like a sick burn, like belittles his manhood or and whatever. Like, and then as a retaliation, the Merovingian just like slaps her in the face, like, like that. But plot twist. The Merovingian breaks his hand because... Every, every bone in his in hand his, explodes. In his crippled hand <laughs> is... <laughs> Apparently, this cream, if used long enough, turns your skin to stone. Sharon Stone. Oh, <laughs> that was fucking bad. So let's just fast forward. So, like, so there's all this crap going on, right? At, at this point in the movie, what's the plot? I have no idea. 
what's going on? Why is anybody doing anything? I have no idea. I think we said that multiple times. Like, is like we did. Like, like, why is Catwoman here? Why is she doing this? Why is anything happening? Let me fast forward to when the plot of this movie actually kicks in, which is about like an hour and ten minutes <laughs> in or something like that. So Sharon Stone murders the Merovingian, and then she frames Catwoman, and then Catwoman goes on the run. Yeah. So Catwoman doesn't really have a conflict Not until, until like an hour end. ten. Yeah, something like that. And That's then, what happens when you have twenty eight people writing a script. It's bizarre because you would think that you would have a conflict when she's murdered by these people, but she's given like a gift. So not really. So let's just fast forward to the end of the movie where Sharon Stone fights Catwoman and uh, they have this ridiculous battle on the top of like some sort of high rise or something. I just want to say that this is one of the worst choreographed fight scenes I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It is really, really just not entertaining. It doesn't hold my attention at all. Yeah, so um, Halle Berry's bouncing off the walls and Sharon Stone is like made of rock. She's indestructible or whatever. But when Catwoman hits her, like her face gets all like deformed or whatever. I think she stopped taking the cream. That's yeah, why. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so whatever. You know, but something that I, I, was, I was wondering about this fight scene, even if you're indestructible, you're still at a disadvantage if you're fighting somebody who's substantially stronger and faster than you, right? And more agile. So who cares if you're indestructible? Like she's just gonna like bowl you over, knock you down. And that's essentially what happens in this movie. Sharon Stone gets knocked out of a window and typical Hollywood stuff, she's hanging on for dear life. Catwoman goes, give me your hand. And then Sharon Stone sees her crippled face in In a broken piece of glass. Yeah. And And this is confusing because at first I thought that she let go because she saw her face and in like a very cliche way was like, I'm hideous. And then just gave up on life. But we rewatched that scene a few times. That's not what happens. No. She literally just slips and falls and Catwoman fails to save her life. Martin, 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 Martin. Sharon Stone looks at her shattered reflection in the mirror like her life has been shattered. There you go. There you go. Man, you are on fire. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) On the next Ebert. So she falls. Again, the physics looks ridiculous. Oh my God. (laughs) She like flips like 45 times in the air and then stops flipping and then just kind of goes. Yeah, she hits terminal velocity. (laughs) She hits terminal velocity. She flips like 45 times and stops flipping. She hits the pavement and like dies in a very comical fashion. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah, so in, in the end, it turns out that that uh, Catwoman decides to shun her past life and live out her days as a vigilante on the wrong side of the tracks, always on the run from the law, I guess. I don't know. Maybe in Catwoman 2, we'll find out. I don't know. I was really confused. Yeah, so there you go. That is 2004's Catwoman. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. This is barely a film. It's more like a music video slash TV commercial slash computer game. Richard Roper, Ebert and Roper. You'd never know Halle Berry is an Oscar-winning actress. Her performance as Patience is downright amateurish. Eric Harrison, Houston Chronicle. Arguably the worst superhero film ever made. Jay Boyar, Orlando Sentinel. And finally, this is the showgirls of superhero movies. Robert K. Elder, Chicago Tribune. Okay, Martin, this movie currently holds a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yes, it is that bad, but I want to say that I was more entertained watching this movie than I was watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I agree 100%. This movie is so bad, it's good. It's yep. really funny. Yep. If you yep. want to have a good time, get a bunch of your friends together, 
get some pizza, some snacks, sit down. If it's late at night and you're giddy, you will be laughing nonstop. This is you will love a it. great 2 a.m. movie where every, everyone's defenses are completely down and then you're just open to watch this ridiculous <laughs> thing. I think this is the first movie that we've watched on the show. Where we were just laughing the entire time. I, like, I think this is the first movie that we've watched for this show where I can confidently say, so bad it's good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this is the first one that we've come across. Every other scene, I was just dying of laughter. It's so ridiculous. Just so, and to think, like, that's an Academy Award winner doing all this insane crap. It's just like, wow, this movie, it's something else. Like, you should check it out. Like, it's what yeah, we're seeing. absolutely. This movie's horrible, and you got to see it. You should see it. You, you got it. You, you have should, to see you this movie. You should see it. But with the caveat that don't watch it alone, watch it with a big group of people, and, like, go into it knowing that it's a piece of crap, and just laugh at it. You're going to have a good time. I'd give it a one out of five. But I mean, as far as so bad, it's good. Yeah. Three or four out of five. I don't know. It's really funny. I'm, you know what? I'm going to bump it up to a two. I, I, I mean, it's a... No, wow. Yeah, you're right. I, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, my official score is a two. Unofficially, it's a three, I guess. My official score is a one out of five. It is a piece of shit. This movie's horrible. Okay. Yeah, three out of five. It's really funny. So there, there you go. We did that in memory of our man in Vancouver. May he rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, so th- this one's for you, dude. Like, do us a favor. Like, Send us another email and give us some of the dirt on what the hell was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I like, I want to know if like, yeah, tell us about Pitoff. What kind of guy is he? I, I also want to know how many people that worked on production, on the production end of this movie, read the script and were like, wow, this is a piece of shit. Yeah, and, dude. And and like, I, and I, I'm just going to, you know, it's a job. I got to do it. But this movie's going to suck. So I read a, like a fun fact that said that the crew was calling Halle Berry, Halle Cat. <laughs> so to, to, our, to our boy in Vancouver, did you call her Halle Cat to her face? Please uh, write us in. Yes, that bad at gmail.com. Let us know what the hell is going on. Let's read some listener mail. Big Daddy Fat Sack. (laughs) Great name, man. Big Daddy Fat Sack says, Catwoman, a.k.a. Cat Poop. Horrible movie that I could never get through. I'm pissed off that Benjamin Bratt took this role. Did he owe someone money at the time? What can I say about Miss Hallie? I sat through Monster's Ball for the sex scene and watched Swordfish for the boobies. But this movie? I just could not do it. I would rather watch Catwoman in the old Tim Burton movies. She was more badass then. I also remember the CG being very bad. You guys talk about movies that you sit through when they come on. Well, when I channel surf and see Catwoman, I immediately begin doing my taxes or count <laughs> the change in my penny jar. <laughs> Jack W writes in, he says, Hey guys, I have written in a bunch and I always have to share reactions to the podcast, which I love. The thing about The Wicker Man, which, which I wondered if you would touch on, is Neil LeBute as a director. We discussed this guy a lot in film school in an interesting class called Masculinity in Film. LeBute is actually a respected playwright known for a short play called This Is How It Goes and his film debut in The Company of Men. The reason he is infamous is because almost all his plays revolve around men teaming up against, screwing them over, or just doing terrible things to them in general. His work is often debated in regards to whether or not he is a massive misogynist or in fact a man-hater who exposes the evils they do through his plays. I was not surprised that he was called in to direct a film about an evil matriarchal society, let alone a movie where Cage Falcon punches 20-year-old girls dressed as a bear. 
His writing is wonderful, but he directs some terrible movies. And Nick also writes in on a similar note. He says, I was perplexed by your comment regarding the reviews of Mr. and Mrs. Smith because you immediately pegged one of the listed critics as sexist. This made me double check your review of The Wicker Man because not once in that entire review did you call that movie sexist. Hell, it's sexist. That movie was misogynistic with a plot straight out of ancient Greece. I'm surprised that you didn't at least temper your positive reaction to the movie. Essentially, the reason that we don't bring the sexism issues up in the reviews, I guess is twofold. First being that whenever we bring up anything even remotely misogynistic or sexist or bring up any type of like sex roles in movies, we get blasted. We get blasted email wise, like very negatively. So like we offend a lot of people and that's not really, there's there's nothing to be gained. There's nothing to be gained from it. I don't, I, I mean, so as far as like no fly zones go on this podcast, that's one of them. We try to Keep it down as much as we can because I don't know. I don't want to upset anybody. Yeah, and the, and the second reason is because we just uh, were unaware. Like neither Martin or I have seen any of Neil Labute's movies. Save the Wicker Man now. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I we knew nothing about this guy, and so I asked a friend of mine to who has seen all his movies to set me straight on what's going on with Neil Labute. And uh, this is what my friend Ryan has to say: Neil Labute specializes in manipulative characters who fuck people over. I've heard him called the sexist before but have never personally found his movies to be. The despicable characters are always men and women. So if anything, he just hates people in general, or maybe he likes writing malicious characters. He started out his career with In the Company of Men, where one of the characters, Aaron Eckhart, was a sexist. So perhaps people mistook that for meaning the director was. But he didn't portray Eckhart in a favorable light. His next movie, Your Friends and Neighbors, is full of repugnant men and women. Then there's The Shape of Things, in which Rachel Weisz plays a manipulator who rivals Eckhart's duplicity in The Company of Men. So he's equal opportunity with his roles. So... As far as the sexism goes in The Wicker Man, like, for whatever sexist stuff Nicolas Cage did, he was punished in the end, right? He was. He paid with his life. And not only that, but, like... But, I mean, I guess it was portrayed as a tragedy, though, so that might be where their their head is. Because, I mean, the evil characters in this in the wicker man the antagonist was the female society yeah but then again then you have to ask yourself are they really evil i mean they're, or, they're just following a different right, right. set of, like, i mean different moral the way, code the way i look at it is that there's no like universal moral code it's 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 very relative for them that's all that's how they were raised that's what they believe in that's how they temper themselves all right next email nate the ape 21 says fucking nailed it when I saw Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I thought the same thing. It was a great 45-minute movie, and the rest, I was just wondering why this is going on. Also, like you said, if, say, Mr. Smith would have sacrificed himself, then Mrs. Smith would have a reason to go on, a revenge-driven warpath, and the movie would have had a reason to keep going instead of going through action scenes to the predictable end. And uh, finally, this is the best email we've ever gotten. Hands down, bar none, never will be topped. So... Martin, we got an email from Dennis Quaid. I can't wait for it. So Dennis Quaid says, I just listened to the most recent episode and I don't care for your flippant attitude about adultery, especially towards actors. Having been the victim of this myself, it's a very unfortunate fucking abhorrent thing to go through, especially with the media all over it like flies on shit. I recall Martin once saying that he respected the sanctity of marriage, but Joel, you disappoint me. I'm pointing a shameful finger at you, my boy. But it all worked out. My ex-wife is now practically unemployable and has had many plastic surgeries, and the man she jilted me for is now a fat has-been, whereas I have retained my manly figure and have a steady stream of movies. As for the question of who is this generation's Dennis Quaid, I have an answer. My son and fellow actor, Jack Quaid. 
No man who hasn't sprung from my loins is fit to carry the mantle. <laughs> Yours truly, <laughs> Dennis Quaid. I thought he cheated on his wife. I thought he, <laughs> I thought he jilted her. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for the email, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> I- <laughs> So thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to reach us, you can contact us at yeahitsthatbad.com or send us an email at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And once again, this question proved to be really popular, so I'm just going to blast through these as fast as possible. So the question of the week was, what's a movie that when it comes out on TV, you're going to stop whatever the hell it is you're doing and watch it? Shannon says, Die Hard, The Dark Knight, and Shaun of the Dead. Guy Alice says, Raising Arizona. Little Dave says, Any of the Naked Gun movies. Jason says, Money Train. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the one where, like, they hold up the train that collects all the fare? Yeah. Big Daddy Fat Sack says, Kickboxer. Josh from Tulsa says, Beastmaster. Al says, Happy Gilmore. Nate the Ape. Lena and Joe Jinx all say the fifth element. So you know what the fifth element, element is, Joel? Boron. Boron. It's I know. Boron. That's my favorite element. Yeah. Brandon says Rain of Fire. Anonymous says Rain of Fire. I'm glad there's a lot of Rain of Fire love Same here. out there in the world. I, I kind of agree with them on the fifth element, too. I think I'll stop what I'm doing and watch that movie. Yeah. Blamson says Batman Forever or Crawl. Alex and Tim from the Men on Film blog say Clue and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Too bad neither are on TV that often. If I ever turn on a TV channel and porn is on, that's also considered a must watch. (laughs) Yeah, so you can read more about those guys at instantreview.wordpress.com. And um, next up, John D. says Triple X starring Vin Diesel. And finally, Casey Jones says... Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Those movies are just freaking cool. So I recommend that everybody go to yesthatbad.com, go to the Mr. and Mrs. Smith episode page, and and read these guys' comments, because they all go into in-depth into why it is they picked these movies. It's pretty interesting. Okay, Martin, as for this week's question of the week... This question is a holdover that was we originally were going to use for yeah, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So the question was, have you ever watched a movie before where you were really into it at first, but then at some point something happened where you just completely lost interest in the movie? Like you just didn't care anymore. It went from like a five star to a one like that. So if you can come up with that movie, head on over to yesthatbad.com and leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's time to announce next week's movie. And so one of our listeners on our Facebook page, he asked me to please review another horror movie. So he asked and I obeyed. There you go. Really, you know, that's, that's, that's all it takes. I'm going to ask you on Facebook and you have to obey. That's all it took. So listen, if you're not our friend on Facebook, then you're not going to get anywhere with us. So <laughs> head on over to Yes That Bad and click the like button. You know, put yourself in my good graces. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, so he asked, he asked for a horror movie, and I delivered. So this movie that we're about to do is listed on Rotten Tomatoes' top 100 worst movies of the last decade. This came in second place as the second worst movie of the last decade. And that movie is called One Missed Call. So yeah, so there you go. Tune in next week when we will be reviewing... One Missed Call, the worst horror movie of the last 10 years. <laughs> we'll see if it's as bad as they say it is. Have they? Ha- have there been a lot of horror movies in the past 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, no. So then this can't be that bad. No, no. They, they only made like two or three, right? <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice poll. 
These are the uh, Martin's choice. He wanted to do. I wanted to do three equals. Yeah, the three three peats. Uh, three peats. It uh, Al- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three Turtles in Time versus versus RoboCop three. Yeah, so lousy part threes of a movie. One's got time travel and the other's got a rocket pack. So th- there you go. So head on over to yesthatbad.com where you can vote between Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 and RoboCop 3. I'm pretty sure I know which one's going to win this, but well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, so to recap... Next week's movie will be One Miss Call. And head on over to yesthatbad.com where you can vote between Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 and Robocop 3. And if you've already seen One Miss Call, please leave us a voicemail at 973-797-9324. That's 973-797-9324. So call us up and leave us a little mini review and we'll play it on the show. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at Yeah It's Bad and like us on Facebook. And then you can uh, talk to us directly. Well, and you can get in Joel's good graces. And yeah, maybe that's uh, all it may- takes. Maybe throw a little weight around as far as <laughs> selecting a movie to review. Yeah, yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah, so, apparently it has more more weight than anything I care about. <laughs> Joel like chose it without even consulting me. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, and we're doing this. <laughs> like, okay, fuck you. Facebook has spoken. Yeah, so definitely like us on Facebook. Everybody listening to this, hit the like button. So head on over to Yes That Bad and, and please hit the like button. Yeah. You can do that by left-clicking once on the like button (laughs) on Yeah, It's That Bad. Okay, once again, thanks for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time. Reader beware, you're in for a scare. (laughs) You mad, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Test. Test. Okay. Testing the microphone. The fuck are you doing? Testing the microphone. I I feel like you're molesting my ears. (laughs) Take my headphones out.